0: So the question today is, does the family need to be remodeled? Because is it out of mode? Is the family structure out of mode, or does it need uh, a remodel or a remake, a do-over? And that's the question Americans are asking. In fact, they're answering that question the same way they answer lots of other things. When something doesn't work or doesn't work like it used to, we throw it out and get a new one. Right? Isn't that what we do? The U.S. has more landfills and has more good stuff in landfills than anywhere else in the world. The stuff that's in our landfills is stuff that other people would use around the world, believe it or not. And so the U.S. Is, is going through that same thing, not only with our stuff, consumerism, we're doing it with relationships. So if there were a relationship landfill in America, it would be packed full of busted relationships. And then we ditch and then get new ones because we think, oh, we'll just get a new one, trade up, trade in. You hear that all the time, but it's really true, isn't it? You, you know it to be true. And so the question is, does the family need to be remodeled? That's the big question t- today. And my, my answer to that is, it does need to be remodeled, but not the way you think. Because the Bible tells us there is a purpose for the family. When you find out what the purpose is, then you line it up with what your purpose is for the family, my purpose, and society's purposes for the family. Find out what God's purpose was initially. God has really three different purposes For the family when he started the family it's the crowning work of his creation it's really the masterpiece for relationships and and it being the masterpiece of relationships it is the support for the next generation as well as you get your identity you get you get your um your self-worth the the whole context of who you are as a person comes out of those first few years and psychologists will tell you this educational development uh scientists will tell us this You get that personality right within the first three years. This is how critical family life really is. It is the masterpiece of God's creation. And even even the gender differences, we're finding as we do social science studies today, a little boy, a little girl, toddler needs the soft touch of a mom, that tonal voice and the tonal voice from a dad and the difference in the facial hair. Did you ever do this when you were a kid? You'd reach up and grab your dad's face and go, boy, it's bristly. Did you ever do that? And In the morning, it would be smooth, and at night, it's rough. And and then when dad didn't go to work, he didn't shave, and then it's really bristly. And the, the difference, not only in tone, but the difference between a mom and a dad. Those gender differences are important to get. It helps a child do what's called, um, a psychologist called differentiate between male and female. It helps us understand who we are sexually. And the fact that, that it's okay to be a guy or it's okay to be a gal, a girl. doesn't matter. God created male and female. It's all part of God's design. So this is God's design, original creative handiwork. But secondly, it's the demonstration of Christ's love for the church In in that the purpose of a family is to really model what Christ has done by sacrificially loving. That's what families do. And when families don't do that, by the way, when we get in trouble. We're always in trouble when we don't sacrificially love. The third purpose for the, for family is procreation. If you don't have a mom and a dad, you don't have a next generation. Okay? Um, a number of years ago, Wanda and I uh, were given a, a, a vacation trip by some friends, and they, they sent us to a, a little vacation spot that was early American. We love American history. We get there. It's called the Shakers. You ever heard of the Shakers part of the Amish community from years ago, but the Shakers would actually enter into a religious community. And as they entered that religious community, they were known for shaking while they worshiped. That's, how they, that's why they were called Shakers. I, I thought it had to do with their furniture because I thought it's Shaker furniture. I love Shaker furniture. I thought it because they were great furniture makers. That's all I knew about Shakers. We get there, find out it's actually a religious community, and they went there because they were impoverished. They couldn't support themselves, and so they would help support, but they live in a commune kind of a setting. Only one problem with it. There was a barn over there where all the men slept, and there was a barn over there where all the women slept with some children that they brought in. Somehow, that community died off. We're not sure what happened, but you figure it out. You see, part of God's design with the male and female is to say the next generation is a good idea. It's a good thing. If you're like some people you were taught sex is bad or it's nasty, it's dirty, it's awful. Then when you get married, oh yeah, it's good now. Okay, pick one. Call me back. Actually, it's good. It's God's idea. It's God's design. But it's God's design within the f- context of a family. That's the purpose of the family. Now, does that family model need remodeling? Not God's family model but our family model does. Because what's happened is this. The original intent of the creator has been warped and twisted and somehow modified, and as that happens, then it doesn't work anymore. Then we say, well, let's just throw it out because it doesn't work, put it in the landfill. But really, if you follow the model, we need to remodel the family back to its original intent, and then it will work, then it will work. And what is the original intent? So leave mother and father, cling to the wife. uh, Genesis chapter two. But if you have a Bible, go with me to Ephesians chapter six. I want to show you a passage in Ephesians six, and let me quote for you that same passage from the Old Testament. The Old Testament reads it like this: Exodus chapter twenty. You know the big ten commandments, right? You know that love the Lord your God. You have no other idols. What's another one? It's another one down midway into the list. It's honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother, that you may live long life. My mother used to quote this to me. You, <laughs> Anybody else have a mother quote that to you? Like, you go, help me. Oh, my goodness. You once heard of the elderly lady who was in her 80s. Her son calls her. She sounds deathly ill, about just so sick and and. Oh, no energy to her life at all and the son calls and says mom you sound sick she says oh I am a little bit why are you sick I don't know you say, oh, are you eating well I haven't eaten well why haven't you eaten I, I, I haven't eaten for six weeks why well I didn't want my mouth to be full should my son call <laughs> okay got that down Mm. But this isn't honor your mother week, this is honor your father week. (laughs) Guys don't call unless we need something, right? My dad calls me, or I call my dad, yeah, what do you need? You know? So, guys are different. Exodus chapter 20, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that God has given you. This is the promise and the principle that God is giving God's people, as they're going into the promised land. It's the story of Exodus. It's the Ten Commandments given by Moses, actually by God through Moses, to God's people. They're going to go into this land. You want to live long. You want your life to make sense. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because the basic structure to human society is the family. It is the original small group. It's the original tribe. It takes a village. The original village is the family. By the way, God gives to us three organizations, They are, number one, the family. That's the smallest unit. Number two is the church. Number three is government. You're saying, I hate government. Well, you hate what God has ordained. Well, I don't think much of the church. Well, you don't like what Jesus died for then. You can say all that you want about those. They all have their flaws. But the reality is God gave to us three organizations. Uh, Government's job is really to execute justice and defend the borders, defend the, the country. You say, well, we do a whole lot more. Yeah, that's not biblical. It's not necessarily within the scope of being biblical. It has to defend the uh, righteous cause. It defends justice. That's the number one job of, of, of government. And then the church is the moral code for the whole land. And the family makes sure that, that you respect and that you honor. By the way, in the breakup of that family, you see it in the lack of respect for church leaders today, when the Baltimore pastors called for no violence and violence happened, that told me this, we're in trouble because they're not listening to the pastors. See? When there's no, there's no respect for pastoral leadership, we're, we're in trouble. And when the family doesn't do its thing, then government has to compensate and do what families should be doing. I hope you understand that. It's a lot to take in, probably another whole session to think about. But God gives to us the smallest group, which is the family unit, made up of a husband and a wife, and out of that comes children. And then you say, but my family's really extended. No, not really. Your family's extended in an extended sense, in a casual bloodline sense, but you leave mother and father to cling to the wife to create a new family. And that's good and that's healthy. It's good for your children to grow up and move out. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yes. It's all right. It's all right. You, you see, the children are the temporary part. The husband-wife relationship is the permanent part. By the way, children have a master's degree in getting between mom and dad. Can I get an amen there? Oh, my gosh. I tried it on my mom and dad. It didn't work. And if you're a good mom and dad, you don't let your kids get between you either. Okay? But the breakup of the family or if the family doesn't do its job, teaching respect, for instance, honor of uh, not just elders, but just anybody, anybody in authority, then if that doesn't happen, they're probably not gonna respect authority elsewhere, which means government has to be that much heavy-handed, actually that much stronger, see, which which we don't want. We want the family to do its thing, church to do its thing, government to do its thing. Now, the family is the, the, the basic model. That's Exodus chapter 20. When they got into the promised land, they restate it. And this is the book of Deuteronomy. Actually, the book of Deuteronomy is a restatement of the law. And what does the book of Deuteronomy say? Again, chapter 5. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord has commanded you, so that you may live long. And this is almost a direct quote. And it will go well with you in the land. And So that lifelong relationship of honoring mom and dad, that's just part of learning respect for everything in general in life, but you learn that from the basics of your parents. Now, about this time, you may be saying, yeah, but that's so Old Testament. It just is out of vogue, and it doesn't, it, you know, some things in the Old Testament, should we be carrying those over? Yeah, I mean, do they really matter to us? And you're right, that's a fair question, because there are things that happen in the Old Testament we don't do today, washing of bowls, I mean, we don't offer sheep for sacrifice for sin. No, because Christ did that for us. No more need for sacrifice. So how do I know when something is, in the Old Testament, is law, law like civil law, like a speed limit, you can only walk so far, or is it a ceremonial law, you're washing dishes, or is it a moral law? In other words, if it's a moral law, how do I know it's transcendent to all time? Well, you're going to find it repeated in the New Testament after Christ's resurrection. And for instance, loving people and being respectful of people, that's found all throughout the Old Testament, and it's also found to be tenderhearted, compassionate, loving, and forgiving in the New Testament. So that's kind of a moral code to love one another. You see that in Old and New. I also see that in this thing with the family, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, you're there, look with me at verses, well, this isn't in the, on the PowerPoint, but Kids need to hear this one. Verse one, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, thank you for that. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Father of four, right there. Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In other words, what part of no don't you understand? Right? Just obey. Now, if they ask you to go out and shoot somebody, that's not in the Lord, because that violates the law. You understand? So you, know, you can't take your children and use them as drug dealers. This would be the exception. But the general rule is obey your parents. Now verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now what's the promise? So that it may go well. That's the promise. Your life will go better for you if you just learn to respect your mom and your dad. By the way, guys, I'm giving you a pass today. This is not a sermon for you another thing to work on I'm actually preaching to everybody else because I want you to feel honored because I think in a society today the guys are getting pushed off and dissed way more than they should be and particularly godly dads it's extremely hard because you want to be loving and compassionate but you want to take a stand for what's right too it's extremely hard and, the, and Satan is out to confuse this even more And by doing that, kids feel uh, almost they have the right to do what they want. And it's a tough spot to be in to be a dad right now. So I applaud you for hanging in there. And I'm not going to yell at you. I'm going to try to raise the level to say, honor your dad. Do what you can to show highest regard for your dad. Honor your father and your mother, verse 2. And that's a commandment that comes with a promise and that promises that life will go well that 's an ageless timeless principle now that crosses get this uh, from Exodus to Deuteronomy to Ephesians that crosses sea it crosses land governments it crosses age and time and language and culture it to me in my uh, understanding of scripture it 's telling me this is not just for a specific group of people this is for all people and and no matter what your family custom is, you say, well, we didn't really honor dad. In our co-. Well, then you start to honor in your generation. But it will help you in the next generation. It will go well for the next generation. And they will enjoy a better life. Honoring your dad is, is, is reaffirming throughout history. It's not just a passing trend. So does the family need to be remodeling? Yes, it does, because it needs to honor dad. And we, we're skipping that at times, I think, We need to go back and remodel what we believe the family to be by placing dad at his rightful place. And you're saying, you want me to honor my dad? Really? Seriously? Do you even know my dad? And my answer is, I probably don't know your dad, but I know the Bible, and the Bible says honor him. You're saying, well, my dad was not all that honorable. Well, there aren't conditions here, and I want dads to be honorable. I want them to be honorable, but... The Bible doesn't seem to put conditions down for honoring, showing respect for your dad. What what I do see today is we honor ourselves a lot. We pay homage to ourselves, and we want to do it our way. We want to think our thoughts. We come first. got to do it my way. And, and, and the honoring of self is seen in a huge way, I think, through social media in particular. You know how there are things that happen in life and, and you, you realize that you can almost date something by the way someone's dressed or the clothing or the music or the hairstyle or whatever. You, you can do that, right? I think in generations to come, they're going to find out that during 2010 to 2020, that years, we took a lot of pictures of ourselves because all these pictures are like this, are they not? Yeah, and we're different poses with different hair and different glasses, different change outfits, take the picture again. Take it with my right arm instead of my left arm, because this one we all know is longer, right? It's not. Some of you are thinking that, right? It's not, usually. We're very prone to self and selfies. I mean, we didn't even have the word selfies a decade ago, hardly. And today, that's kind of a common term. So we're all about honoring self, and my word to you is we need to remodel the family to honor dad and to show proper respect uh, for the family unit, because it's what God honors, and it it makes sense for society. This will affect society. In ancient Hebrew, the word honor, and then it carries across into the Greek, which is the New Testament. The word means weighty or heavy, serious value. In other words, I take my dad seriously. I I value who he is, what he does, what he says. I take him seriously. Dennis Rainey put it this way in the book, The Tribute and the Promise. Honoring your parents is, like a, is an attitude accompanied by actions that says to your parents, you are worthy. You have value. You are the person God sovereignly placed in my life. You may have failed me, hurt me, disappointed me at times, but I'm taking off my judicial robe and releasing you from the courtroom of my mind. In other words, I stopped judging my dad, my mom. I choose to look at you with compassion as people with needs, concerns, and scars of your own. By the way, anything, pretty much anything Dennis Rainey writes on the family is really, really good. I think he really hits the nail on the head on this. He describes for us what the original intent of the text is, that you honor him knowing that he has flaws. That doesn't give you a pass. It just helps you understand him. Now, honoring does not mean you seek their approval all your life. It does not mean that you enable hurtful patterns. Your dad may have been destructive or hurtful. You may have to back away from that. It doesn't mean ignoring or denying your past. You may have to go into protection mode. And if you talk to me personally about your particular story, that, that might be the, the wisest counsel is to get, if shrapnel's flying, you may need to back up to get away from the shrapnel. Shrapnel. That's just self-defense. I, that, that's okay. You can't ignore or deny the past either if your dad was destructive. But honoring your father does include making the relationship a priority. It does include doing the best you can just to stay current with your dad, to keep a clean slate, and to look for the absolute best and the good in the relationship. You know, you may not have gotten this from your dad, but I did get that. I didn't get this, but I did get that. And you can look at what you didn't get from your dad, or you can look at what you did get from your dad. It acknowledges your dad's sacrifices because you don't really know where he came from and what, what uh, rivers he had to stream, swim against stream on, what he had to fight in his own life. Some of us come from families where um, our dads were alcoholics, or their dads were alcoholics, and so our dads were workaholics to cover for our dad, their grandfather. And so you're feeling the effects of, it seems like a strong work ethic, but really what it is, he overworks. Why? Well, because he had to, because he always lived with a sense of scarcity, because his dad would always drink the, the check. He never brought it home, he always drank it. And so once you understand that, then you realize, you know what? I could talk about my dad's compulsive work behaviors, or I could talk about him being a great provider. I have to choose. And so you have to choose to think of the best and to see the best. And you know what? That's loving. Loving believes the best, hopes the best, sees the best, talks about the best. Not to deny it, but to bring out the best. Because what you bring out and what you bring up is probably what you're going to get. And there's a backside to this we'll talk about in just a moment. But if you diss your dad, dishonor your dad, criticize your dad, particularly in front of your kids, guess what your kids will learn to do? Oh, my goodness. My kids are growing up, and unfortunately, they're acting like us. Yeah. So, honoring will come back to bless you if you give the blessing. So seek to forgive your dad. Let go of the stuff that is really out of your control, and maybe out of his... Uh, I love what uh, Emerson Edgerich has written in it's a book called Love and Respect. It's a book for couples really and it's really a husband-wife book but he talks about honoring particularly the guy in the guy relationship and he says, appreciate his desire to work and achieve to protect and provide, to serve and to lead because that, that doesn't get honored, does it? Um, we want dad to lead but only to lead where we want him to go. And when he he doesn't lead us where we want to go, then we say, well, he's really hard-headed. When It's not really he's actually leading. It's just that you don't want to go there. That's the only difference. So appreciate even his value to lead and to serve, to analyze and to counsel for that shoulder-to-shoulder kind of friendship because ultimately that's the kind of relationship you're going to have. You're going to have a few years in their home, but then you're going to have a lot of years as adult-to-adult. So Ephesians chapter 6 again, honor your father and mother. Honor them. And particularly today, honor your dad. Find a way in your own heart to pull out honor and to verbalize it. That's humbling. Find a way to honor your dad. And, And that comes with a blessing that it may go well with you. In other words, that your life will somehow be different. Let me tell you what the blessing is. It's really threefold. The blessing is, number one, you're going to have a clear conscience. It gets you right before God. And you know what? You may have conflict with your family. By the way, um, it, it, this is a, a lot, uh, a lot of sermon material gets landed on the trimming floor. I'm going to give you a piece that landed on the trimming floor, but then you pick it up and you can study it. It's the life of King David. King David has a son whose name is Absalom. You, you, we, we know David is the most wonderful king of Israel, the height of Israel's history. Uh, he is the best king of the three that they had as a United, as a United Kingdom. But they expanded their borders. He had great economy, great uh, national defense. He, he just did a great job, but he had this son who really thought he could be like his dad and was jealous of his dad, but, but trash-talked his dad. His dad got mad at him, so mad at him he thought about hurting him. Absalom runs away, runs out of country, comes back. Dad won't talk to him. I mean, this is, this is dysfunction happening right within the palace, right? And David won't talk to him. Absalom wants to repent but doesn't know how. But he's just an overgrown kid, what we call today extended adolescence. In other words he's 25 but he's still acting like he's in the junior high you know and you're saying it's time to be an adult Absalom could never get there and so that conflict goes on and on and and his and David's buddies say let us know we'll go out and kill him (laughs) David goes don't kill him he's my son you go yeah but he's trying to kill you I know it's conflicted it's family right it's family it's it's just awful I'm telling you the whole story as it ends up absalom dies and what does david do he weeps he cries over son. he wishes he could have died that's how conflicted the family really is understand this when you honor your dad even though the relationship is conflicted when you honor your dad you have a clean conscience and even though you have conflict within your family you can pray for your dad in fact i encourage you Pray for your dad, that, God, to help me to love my dad, help me to honor, help me to... My, my dad needs, and here's what your dad, here's what all guys need, just respect. Respect. I think, and Andrew puts an argument out for this, women need more love, and men need more respect. It's a gender difference. It's what... It's, it's, what, it's how we tick, and it's what ticks us off when we're not respected. So... Number one, the blessing is it cleans your conscience. Number two, it awakens the father within your dad. This one is huge. This could be the entire sermon right here. Because when a dad's speech is not heard, when his words are not heard, his words become, for some guys, become reckless. Why? Because no one's listening anyway. I'm just talking to myself. I might as well be out in the garage talking to the lawnmower. So guys will say reckless things. And it's not just a guy thing. Ladies do it too. But if a guy feels disrespected, he begins to mumble. Now, you maybe have walked in the garage to hear your dad mumbling. And that may be a sign that he feels disrespected. And what happens is, intensity increases, volume will increase, tone, emotion, exaggeration, and comparison starts to happen. And those are not healthy things. But if a guy is not heard... He either shuts down or he goes into dogfight mode. It's it's typical fight and flight, those two responses. If he goes into fight, he'll begin to speak with words he may regret one day. But you, you understand this. If you listen to your dad and respond, he'll watch his words. He'll actually pay attention to what he's saying. And you're actually not only showing respect for him, you're helping him, and he will actually be a better dad. Why? Because you're lifting him up you're bringing him to a place where you say, I know you can do this, Dad. This dad thing. And if you do that, you not only show honor to your dad, but he becomes a better dad. Thirdly, that's why why I say this. Ask your dad for advice and then listen. Ask your dad for a story. That Just listen to the story. Catch a lesson from that. Repeat the lesson back now. So you learned this from, yeah, I did. And then and then talk, to talk to your dad, to just to listen, to, to get the experiences, not just to get something from your dad, but to enjoy the relationship with your dad. Because it won't always be there. It'll be gone one day. And David knew that with his son, and he regretted that. And you wished you could. I met a guy years ago that just, He just wept and wept, because he could never tell his dad, I love you. And you know what his dad did? His dad died. And he said, "Now I can't tell him I love him. I encouraged him, go to the cemetery and tell your dad you love him. Just talk to your dad. It was restorative for his own soul, but he parented differently. He parented to be more emotionally open with the hope that the next generation would be more emotionally open. So, number one, do it for your own conscience. Number two, it awakens the father within your dad. Number three, what it does is it sets in motion the right order. And by that, what I mean is this. No matter how crazy your family has been, when you honor the, your, your dad in particular, when you honor your mom and dad by context of the verse, but your dad because it's Father's Day, when you honor your dad, what it does is it sets in motion the blessings And life will be different for you. Life will be better for you. And I I think one of the best things you could do to to set this in motion is to call your dad to say, Dad, here's the decision I make, even as an adult. Just give me your wisdom. Number one, he'll be careful with his words when you're saying, I'm listening, writing it down. But then when you're done, just say, Dad, pray for me over this. This is what I'm thinking about. And when you do that, he'll rise to a higher calling of being a better dad. And that's where I want to leave it today, I guess. I want to pray for blessing upon our guys. And so let's bow together in prayer. and With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Guys, just know that I, I know these are uh, tough days to be a guy, tough days to be a dad. You want to love your kids. You want to love your wife. You want to lead them well, but you're not sure what that looks like. And so, Father, I pray that you would be the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble. And like a father who has compassion on his children, Lord, you have compassion on us because we fear you. Help us to love you. And I pray you'd bless the dads with a special amount of grace and wisdom to do their thing and to do it well. To do it regardless of what society does. And even if they feel disrespected at times, Lord, may you give them grace to model what is absolutely right and true. And by so doing, they set the record straight for the next generation. Help us, Lord, I pray, as a congregation to honor the guys and to applaud them for the right things and to listen and gain the wisdom. And may we know, Lord, that the family is your idea. Since it's your idea, it's here to stay. For those who are going through some great days As a dad and as a mom, Lord, we enjoy those, extend them. For those going through difficult times, Lord, may we not only learn, but may we persevere, and may you give to us a measure of hope, we pray. Bless our dads, we pray, in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the church says amen.